What a weekend it was in uh, in the hockey world, wasn't it, Ross? We had the Wings and Leafs have just an absolute chaotic game. You got the Habs rolling five in a row, and there's money to be made in the futures market over at BetOnline.net. You and I, Ross, will be chatting about all of that and more on today's edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. <laughs> Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Locked On NHL Podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. Alongside me, I've got Ross Levitan from Locked On Sends, and he's now going to be joining me as a permanent co-host here on the Tuesday Eastern Conference edition of the Lockdown NHL podcast, Ross, you were here a couple of weeks ago, did a little test drive, and well, it seems like we uh, didn't hate each other, so we're going to try and go at this for the next little bit. So uh, everyone, welcome in. Ross Levitan, your new co-host here on the Lockdown NHL pod. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming along and being a part of it, Ross. I'll say this, though. You're about my third, fourth, like full-time co-host in the last couple of months you, you just stick around a little longer than the last couple or what i don't know sounds like we'll leave the war to the battle of ontario on the ice and was it because they're tied in points since the all-star break the leafs and sends is that why we're inviting in a little you know keep a keep a leaf fan honest here as we get to towards the playoffs how you feeling that's a wild game on saturday seven two turns into seven six all of a sudden were you ever worried there? I mean, we don't have to go too far back to know when it didn't end the way it did on Saturday. Yeah, okay, you can stop. First of all, I actually did not know that that stat was was the case. The fact that the Leafs and Sens, eleven uh, points, baby, same point since uh, since was it since the All Star break? All Star break. Yep, it's right. the Leafs, Bruins, and Senators all right there. With hey, shout out the Habs too. They beat Ottawa on Saturday. They're yeah. right there with ten points, and they've got five straight wins. So. Hey, it's uh, it's that time of year where if you had a bad start, it doesn't really matter. And right. if you had a good start like the Leafs, it doesn't really matter. Because even though I joke with that one, we know one team's going to be dancing in April and the other team won't. <laughs> well, where do you want to start? You want to start with that debacle that we saw the other night between the Leafs and Hat or the Leafs? Yeah, I want to. I want to get. I want to get your take on it. Okay, so we'll we'll start there. Then we can talk about the Habs and the role that they've been on. Also, the Islanders, they might be completely out of it. So there's some interesting conversations to be had there. Also, like we said earlier, we're going to take a look at the futures market on betonline.net, have a conversation about the MVP front runners and also the Calder because I think there's a couple of really valuable bets you can make there. And then, as always, we go through risers and fallers uh, the day before uh, the Locked On NHL power rankings come out. So we're going to make our predictions on a team that will rise and a team that will fall. So that's what's on deck today on the Locked On NHL podcast. So the Leafs and Wings game, and if you guys missed it, this was an interesting game. And for someone who had a uh, Leafs puck line ticket, I was sweating this thing out right to the bitter end, Ross. When it was 7-2, I was ready to cash it out. I was like, all right, where can I spend my 50 bucks that I'm about to win here? And then all of a sudden, it's it, it goes from 7-2 to 7-6, and I'm no longer in position to cash out on what seemed to be a winning ticket heading into the final 20 minutes of play. 
somehow they they you know hunkered down and they ended up getting some some good offense from Mikheyev and and Camp Kasha ended up scoring as well and then a beautiful goal by uh, by Marner good setup by Bunting but uh, to end up cashing in that ticket but yeah when when things started to really go sideways yeah, my heart was beating a lot for Toronto and it's funny because there was a lot of conversation about people saying wow well, what do you want you want high goal scoring wasn't that a fun entertaining game no not from a Maple Leafs perspective. I think if they were trading goals back and forth the whole game, then yeah, maybe be a little bit more entertaining. But when there's just a third period collapse like that, um, despite being able to close out and get the win, that's not that entertaining from a Leafs perspective. That's just, you know, a near heart attack experience is what that was. Stress levels were high. high. Were you more nervous at 7-6? Or 8-7, because you get the insurance marker again. You're feeling like, okay, we're up by two, and then it's not even 40 seconds later that Lucas Raymond pulls the Detroit back within one. Yeah, probably uh, you're probably the 8-7 mark, where it's like, I thought they stopped the bleeding, and then (laughs) no, obviously not. Peter Mrazek's like, go ahead, go ahead. Um, No, it was the goaltending in that That was a little revenge game for Peter Mrazek. I guess it didn't go his way. Well, I mean, Jack Campbell started in that game. Yeah, and he gave up the you know five goals in the yeah, fifth. Yeah, it's hard goal. coming in cold there. Well, didn't uh, Detroit did the old double switcheroo? Yeah, they did. <laughs> the goaltending, I think I saw uh, it was like a seven forty three save percentage between the four goalies who played in that game. <laughs> that's awesome. That's brutal, man. Just absolutely brutal. But yeah, at least I ended up walking away with the full two points and. I guess there's some positive. The weird thing is that they played like a textbook game, right? off the hop like they played well the first 40 minutes had a 7-2 lead going into the third period when all hell broke loose and is now the conversation goes from holy crap marner at a six point night four goals that top line's amazing too there's a serious goaltender problem in toronto in the span of like 15 minutes it was, and it was do they deal with it? How, how do you attack that if you're Kyle Dubas? Is it just hold on to your horses and take a deep breath? Or three weeks from the deadline now, are you making a push for a starter? I'm not there yet where I think the, they are going to be seriously considering a, a change in, in net. Well, I think they're going to have to ride and dive the goaltending they have. I mean, the one name that's out there, and it was circulating on Saturday, obviously on Twitter, was Mark Andre Fleury. Can they bring the flower in since Chicago's not going to be going anywhere? And I mean, I, I don't know what it would take to do that, but the Maple Leafs don't have a lot of capital in terms of picks and prospects. And when it comes to this team, now there's all of a sudden like a few different holes. Uh, you know, at first it was like they need a top four defenseman. And then all of a sudden last week was like, ah, maybe a top six four. JT Miller's name kind of came into the conversation. And now after Saturday where the goaltenders just decided to play, I don't know what the hell they were playing. Just it was score a goal on me type of game. Um, now the conversation is, do they need to address the goaltending? And the sad part is earlier this year, I mean, that, that wasn't supposed to be an issue with this team. The goaltending was supposed to be the one sound position because not only do you have Jack Campbell, who had a great year last season coming in, but then you also signed Peter Mrazek, who's been a fantastic tandem goaltender to push Jack Campbell to allow competition so that they can both flourish, right? Internal competition supposed to breed positivity within the goalie room. 
But what's happened is the complete opposite. Neither has taken the opportunity and run with it here over the last couple of months. And now, yeah, you're sitting here with three weeks of the deadline, and Kyle Dubas now has to be thinking, boy, I have one bullet in the chamber. Do I really have to spend it on goaltending? I don't. I wouldn't want to be Kyle Dubas right now because he's got so much that, that he's got to have to worry about over the next couple of weeks. Jake Muzzin's injury throws another whole wrench into those things. John Tavares playing so poorly. Um, he has goalless in 12 games. This hasn't happened in a decade since he's done that. Like It's just a lot is going wrong for certain individuals for Toronto, yet on a positive note, they're only three points back of the the division lead and they're firmly in the mix and you got the top line austin matthews potentially an mvp type of season mitch marner's playing unbelievable michael bunting so there's some good but there's a lot of bad and it's up to us at locked on leafs i guess to really decipher that but it's it's just a lot going on right now in, in leafland that's for sure yeah i believe it and at this point in the season for you guys and i was covering the Leafs with TSN 1050 with you, Mikey, not too long ago. And yeah. it's all about the process, not the results in the middle of the season. I don't think any fan cares um, about, you know, because even what I'm looking at here is Jack Campbell. He's still 11-4-2 in his, in his, or sorry, 11-4-3 in his last 20 games. But if he has an 893 save percentage in the playoffs, they're not making out of the first round again. And that's what he's sitting at over the last 20 games. Now I was just counting along while you're going off there about the entire team, but I can't help but focus on the goaltending. In games where Jack Campbell has allowed more than two goals, it happened three times in the first 18 games. It's happened 14 in the last 20. Only six games where he hasn't let in three or more goals. They they need that number to come down. Do you want the splits, the first 18, the last 20? For yeah. Campbell? So the record's fine, right? 12-4-1 in the first 18 games. An 11, 4, and 3 in the last 20 games. So right. they've still been able to pick up 25, but possible 40 points with Jack Campbell in net. That should be good enough, right? That, that should be good enough to get you to the playoffs. But it falls apart there because the goals against in the first 18 games, just 28 goals. Last 20, 64 goals against in the last 20 games. The biggest problem is the expected numbers and the big drop off there. So he's giving up. Uh, 28 goals in the first 18 games, 42 expected goals against, which is what a 14 goal, uh, goal saved above average, 14 goals saved above average in the first 18 games or above expected. Do you know what it is in the last 20 games? His goals skill uh, saved above average. Oh, it's got to be a big time negative number just from, from seeing what the save percentage is. Minus 14 goals. Oh, there you go. Some nice symmetry there. Right? Isn't it funny how it actually literally is perfectly set up there? The expected goals over the last 20 games is 50 goals against. He's allowed 64. So 14 goals above expected. That's not the type of goaltending that you need from a guy who at one point was considered the front runner for the Vezina Trophy. That is not the case anymore. Went from a 946 save percentage spiraling down now in 893 in the last 20 games. So the splits the last little bit for Jack Campbell has been extremely worrisome, but they haven't been much better for Peter Morazic too, which is kind of the problem is that neither goaltender, despite the struggles of each other, have taken the ball and have been able to run with it. They've had to just exchange goaltenders. So, yeah, the, the goaltending situation in Toronto is definitely – uh, one of the more interesting situations around the league, especially uh, as you get down the stretch here. What are they going to do at the deadline? Is that now going to be 
a position that they at least inquire about and, and potentially attack and bolster. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Dubas probably feeling pretty good that he didn't. I know fans were calling for an extension earlier on for the pending UFA and Jack Campbell. I don't know if he's doing his AAV any favors in his next deal. No, I wonder how much that's that's impacted him too. Thinking about yeah. that. Yeah, I was one of those people, trust me, and I'm glad that yeah, he, he looked like found money. He did. He did. Has not been the case as of late. Uh, and if you placed the, your wager back in, you know, December or back in November for him to win the Vesna, <laughs> well, Oops. I think he could probably throw in the garbage and not uh, not feel like you're tossing your money in the trash because yeah. that's essentially what, what happened there. But speaking of betting, Bet Online is one of today's show sponsors. Uh, football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance, props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Um, if you've been betting on the underdog Montreal Canadiens to win games as of late, you probably have been making a lot of money. Five in a row for the Montreal Canadiens, including a win over your Ottawa Senators the other night. Uh, you know, I guess considering you just watched them, like what's been so different about Montreal? What sticks out to you? Why they're kind of gelling so well right now under Marty St. Louis, a guy who we never expected to have this much success right out of the gate. Yeah. I mean, their top line just looks dangerous. Uh, they didn't get on the score sheet. Both Montreal goals were scored by Arturi Lekkinen and shout out Colin White, by the way, first game of the season after a, a devastating preseason injury. So four and a half months later, he's back scores in his debut, low scoring game, man. And um, the Habs outshot Ottawa 32, 27, but to me, and uh, I mean, I smile when I say it because it brings back such good memories still, Hamburglar. but a- Andrew Hammond, the Hamburglar was in there and he shut the door and you just knew he would back. And ironically, it was the first game with Ottawa during that Hamburglar run was a 44 save performance at home against Montreal. And there he was on the other side of it with two other former senders, Mike Hoffman and Chris Weidman, too. Didn't know if Chris Weidman needed the video tribute. Uh, I know Andrew Hammond got one. and Yeah, yeah. They gave Chris Weidman the old 30 second uh, promo pack during the the, uh, during the break. And I guess Hoffman had already played back there, but obviously his departure was not uh, no. not the best of times, to say the least. But from a Montreal perspective, like I said, that top line, they've got uh, Josh Anderson, uh, who just always hard on the forecheck, and he creates a lot of space for Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, who obviously looks completely reinvigorated under Marty St. Louis. His goal streak ended uh, against Ottawa. So did Tim Stutzels. They were both on three-game goal streaks, but Caulfield was still getting pucks off from everywhere. And that's what I think really was struggling with him under Ducharme is once he lost his confidence, he wasn't willing because he puts pucks on nets from the worst angles and they go in for him. He almost beat Murray short side upstairs from in tight. It was a a real, real solid effort. But um, yeah, so I think that, yeah, four shots on goal for him. And uh, for me, he's, he's a big reason why they're able to get some success. Now this is just a one shot game though. Right. So um, Arturi Lackanen gets a nice deflected shot from the high slot beats Matt Murray. Who's been, he, he kind of stole, maybe in that game, this is, wow, this might be a take right here. Ooh. Matt Murray stole Jack Campbell's ju- juju 
in that game that should never have happened on January 1st. Matt Murray gets shelled for six goals. Jack Campbell gets a shutout. Since then, it's a freaky Friday situation. Matt Murray, since January 2nd, has like a 945 save percentage. Third in the NHL. And Anton Forsberg is right there at fifth. Like the, the Sens have been getting the best goaltending in the NHL over the last month. And they just haven't scored. We talked about it on Lockdown Senators. Like they, they've scored less than two goals in, I think it was five of their last nine games. And if they had scored two, they would have at least brought it to overtime. They're allowing nothing but without Batherson, without Norris. They're just putting yeah. up no offensive numbers. And then Shabbat, we missed a few games, including the last one. He had three points uh, against Minnesota on Tuesday. And then a stomach flu. Awesome. Going through the team right now. So he was a late scratch. The Sens actually played 13 forwards, five defensemen on Saturday. So it was a bit of a, a screwball there, too. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the flu bug's going through a, a couple of couple of teams, I think, because Toronto experiencing it as well. But, yeah, w- that was kind of the big problem, I think. Not a problem, but a conversation that was had when – the senators paid Brady Kachuk all that money. It's like when you pay somebody that type of dough, you got to expect for them to be able to produce offensively. And it seems like he hasn't. He did that when he first time. Yeah, he's leading the team in scoring. And I mean, yeah, maybe a a low bar. Drake Batherson's still in second, and he hasn't played in over a month since uh, since Aaron Dell took him out. But um, someone led the uh, the the expansion thrashers in scoring once upon a time too. I wouldn't necessarily. I mean, thirty seven points in forty eight games. It's not like he's uh, he's not contributing out there. But I hear you. What what? Uh, how much impact though? When both of his line mates, who he gained chemistry with all of last season, are out. Like he's been playing with Adam Gaudet over the last ten games. No disrespect, but. Literally a waiver pickups on the top line. I get it. And and that kind of goes back to my point where it's like when you pay a guy $8 million, he needs to be able to drive a line himself. And, and maybe he's somebody who's not able to do that in a way. Like he, he does it in ways where he's just like a, an absolute, you know, bleep disturber and he can get under your skin. He goes hard to the net. He's a physical guy. He can get your team riled up, but he's not going to go coast to coast and make these unbelievable no. plays and score in the ways that like Austin Matthews can do it in the ways that William Nylander could do it in the ways that even Drake Batherson can do that. He's a guy who can go coast to coast and score a nice goal where he's not quite that player. Like he's just kind of a two way, um, you know, more offensively gifted grinder almost in in a way. And I don't know, it's just something that I was just thinking about 8 million bucks for, for that. And you're getting a little bit, I don't know. I just feel like it was a, it's a little bit overpaid. Now I think about it. Yeah, I Uh, guess so. I mean, he's got four less. He's got one less shot on goal than William Nylander. So talking about generating offense and he's played five less games too. So I feel like in terms of getting pucks on net, he's that kind of guy. I'd say him playing with a 20 year old center and Stutzel's definitely looked a lot better now over the last probably 20 games ever since he turned 20 years old. But yeah, I hear you. He's not going to score off the rush. He's just not really that type of player, but yeah. uh, there's not, not many guys who I want more in front of the net on the power play or uh, guys who are, are going to be led into battle like Brady Kachuk. So not worried about that. I mean, he had, he went 17 games without a goal and that speaks to your point for sure. He still had 11 assists in those 18 games, but yeah, you'd like to see a little more goal scoring for sure. I think that's fair to say. And um, there was a fight he got in, and last year he no led Michael the league Bunting, in fights. Say that he's no Michael Bunting. <laughs> Michael Bunting's four years older than Brady Kachuk, so that's a weird conversation to have. Uh, but anyways, and he's never gonna. He doesn't even know where Belleville is on a map. Talk about minor leagues uh, and the up and coming for Michael Bunting. He's looked great. Don't get me wrong, but um, yeah, no, I think that's fair to say that maybe he's lived up a little bit less to to the number, but but 
what he brings. If you're, if you're watching this team night in night out, you know, what kind of value he brings the team. And uh, I think that's going to continue. What I was starting to say is last year, he led the league in fights this year. He started out with a few as well. And um, definitely hit his hand on his last one. And I think that's when the goal drought started. So we'll, we'll see, but he's toughing it out. And uh, he's, I mean, helping this team get wins for sure. He had two point night against Washington. They had a big win on the road there. And then, uh, yeah, still still top 50 in the league in shots on goal, too. So we hijacked this conversation into a love fest for the Ottawa. Well, Center. no, not Brady. even when you're talking Brady Kachuk's overpaid. So that's a conversation in itself. Well, we can have that conversation uh, later on. But really quickly, I guess, before we take one more break, um, the other team that we wanted to talk about quickly was yes. the New York Islanders. And uh, I, I mean, I've been of the belief that the the season, the Eastern Conference was wrapped up. The playoffs was wrapped up by Christmas. And the lone team that people were like, ah, if there's one team that could do it, it's the Islanders. Because they had like 10 games that they had to make up with either a, you know, a COVID situation or they were on the road for a lot. Like there was just a, a contingent that had the belief that this team who's been to back-to-back conference finals could get it done. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case now. They've lost too many games. They didn't make up the ground they had to with the games they had in hand. And I think the eight teams are kind of set. seems like Columbus might be that team that could make a push here. Maybe Detroit, but I still think it's those eight teams. But one of the names that is now getting tossed out there is Big Z. Zdeno Chara just broke a record for most games played by a defenseman. What do you think? Uh, what do you think happens with Big Z out and out on the island? And is there anyone else that you're taking a look at that potentially could be open for business? Well, the the Islanders themselves should be open for business because they're a team that's traded a lot of draft picks in recent years yeah. to stay competitive. And you you can say it's a failure from the standpoint that they didn't make it to the Stanley Cup final, but each year falling in the conference final against the eventual champion Tampa Bay Lightning pushing them to seven games like this has been a, a good stretch of hockey if you're an Islanders fan they play that maybe a bit more of a trap style but hey it's effective however what they've also done is gotten a little a little attached with the players that they have I'm looking here and there's only one pending UFA of note this upcoming offseason and you could say it's money off the board in its own way because Cal Clutterbuck's probably Oh, a little overpaid at 3.5 million at 34 years old, but they they just have all guys with terms. So that's where I struggle to see kind of who is going to be voted off the Island in a sense. And now yeah. uh, on defense, like Zidane Ochara is 44 years old, right? What are you really expecting back a mid round pick? Nah. Yeah. You're not going to get much for Zidane Ochara. You're just basically, where do you want to go? Handpick your team. And we'll trade you there. I don't think that would be almost like Murray Kovalev got traded. It may have even been to, was it to the Penguins or was it to Ottawa? We got traded for like a conditional fourth, conditional seventh. Seventh, yeah. Fun, yeah. fun, fun fact that pick became Ryan Dezingle, but yeah, it was from Ottawa to Pittsburgh. Right. So I think it'll be a similar situation. A guy who, you know, is at the end of his career, say, Where do you want to go? We'll let you right. go there. How about back to Boston? I'm a sucker for these good stories. Right. That would be an interesting situation. I think Boston will definitely be in the market to bring him back. You, you would you would think maybe they would be, but would he want to go back? Maybe, perhaps. It, it would be a little bit of a storybook type mm-hmm. of ending to his career to end up back in Boston where he made the most of it, was the captain there for so many years, went to a Stanley Cup, won a Stanley Cup, went to a couple Cup finals. Yeah, that'd be an Norris interesting Norris Trophy? Yep, Norris Trophy. 
uh, that would certainly be a, an interesting spot for him. But that's another team that's definitely going to be uh, – I'll be watching over the next couple of weeks to see what happens there because do I – you I, think – do you think they trade any of their guys with term? I'll give you a list of five I'm forwards looking now, here. I'm looking now uh, at their list on, on cap friendly. And, like, there's a couple of guys who I would probably try and deal away if possible. I mean, mm-hmm. Cal Palmieri, that has not turned out to be oh. the signing they expected. He's got three more years left on his deal after this season at five million bucks. If they can move that, he's got a no trade though. But if they can move that, probably I would look look to do that as soon as possible. Uh, JG Pajot, I think, is someone who you could probably move. Anthony Bavillier is an interesting name at twenty four years old. He's probably the one where you could get a decent uh, a decent like haul for. I would say right. And you got to think that they're looking at picks if they're doing it, or do you think they're going to try to reload? Uh, that's the thing. Like this team is in a weird situation where they, they, if Sorokin a lot of guys, on, a lot of guys on the other side of 30 for sure. Yeah. Like a lot of guys. So, but they also have a youngerish core that's in their early to mid twenties. It's not like they have a bunch of 18, 19 year olds that are just starting and just mm-hmm. sprouting. Like this is a team that seems like if they could reload, they might be good enough in a couple of years to get back into it. So perhaps, you know, younger prospects might be the uh, like a, you know, 20, 21 year old prospect uh, or a younger player could potentially be there or a hockey deal for a younger player with a, you know, a situation where their age fits their, uh, their timeline a little bit better. But, you know, big Z, I expect for him to go. Varlamov is going to be interesting because I think there's a couple of teams out there that could use goaltending help. You know, Toronto could be one of them. Edmonton certainly needs a, a goaltender. So Colorado, Varlamov, I mean, you just, uh, you just never no, know. I know they are, but this is the team that played – they played Andrew Hammond in a, in a conference final game and they played Michael Hutchinson in a conference final game. If I'm Joe Sackick, I am going as far out of my way to make sure I have three capable goalies, maybe even a fourth. Because that core is too good to have not gone sure. further. Sure, but I think that's more like go out and get yourself, uh, uh, you know, a David Riddick or I don't Anton know, Forsberg under a million bucks. Yeah, like Varlamov's not going to go out and be. Uh, yeah, he's got term left for sure. Yeah, yeah, tender there. But uh, all right, why, why don't we? All right, we'll take one more quick break. When we get back, we took a look at some of the odds at BetOnline.net. There's been a lot of discussion this week about you know, the MVP conversation. There's two specific players, I think, that are leading the way right now, both of which in the Eastern Conference. Why don't we give you our take as uh, as from a degenerate gambling perspective uh, that both Ross and I are. Uh, but before we do, let me tell you about one of today's show sponsors, and that is Rock Auto. Uh, save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They got everything you'll need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on, and they're here. How did you hear about us, Box? Let they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Uh, welcome back into the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano, host of Locked On Leafs, with Ross Levitan, the host of Locked On Sends. We are your Tuesday hosts here on the Locked On NHL podcast. And the MVP conversation really got 
kind of kicked up a notch this past week after Austin Matthews had an unbelievable play in the Minnesota Wild game where he just snatched the puck up from Brandon Duhame and made a nice little give-and-go play to set up the eventual game winner against the Minnesota Wild. It was his second of the game. He had an unbelievable 200-foot performance in that one. And, you know, Toronto media, as they typically do, myself included, I'm, I'm, I'm in there, automatically this guy's the front runner. He's the number one guy. He's got to be up at the top for the heart trophies conversation. Um, he solidified himself at that, uh, at this particular moment in time, Ross, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, on that. Um, because there's a couple other players that obviously are in the mix. Connor McDavid right now, the betting favorite at betonline.net, which is interesting to me. Um, and there's a, an extremely good value bet that you could make also at bet online right now. And so why don't we go through some of these guys and discuss maybe the likelihood where you think they stand in this, where you want to start? Like McDavid's at the top. Do you think that's correct? Why do you think it's correct that he's favored? I don't, I don't know if he's even on my ballot right now. Stop. Not even on your ballot. Do I don't think he's, to me, on my ballot right now, if I had to submit it, I'm probably going Austin Matthews, Igor Shosturkin, and probably Kale freaking McCarr. Like, I'm probably putting Kale McCarr up there over Connor McDavid. What this guy, what Kale McCarr is doing from as a defenseman on the back end is just stupid gross. Like, this guy's going to score 35 goals this year as a defenseman. It's just disgusting. So the fact that he's up at the top, I'm not even looking at that as a wager. But Austin Matthews, right now, you can get him um, at plus 300 through plus 350. He's currently second. But Igor Shosturkin, to me, that's where the biggest value lies in terms of betting when it comes to the Hart Trophy. I like him at plus 700. I like that a lot. Yeah, I love that. That's that's my uh, my betting favorite right now, or what I would be all over is uh, Igor Shosturkin. That cost as well. And one thing that kind of gets lost in this, and I'm sure that over the next couple of weeks we're going to get into the trade deadline, March 21st. So we're still a little ways away, but the Rangers have so much flexibility to add to what they have, and I think that's only going to make his case stronger. He's so good. He's the only goalie right now, and albeit there's still some time left, but. The only goalie to play more than 30 games and have a better save percentage than 941, which is where Shosturkin's sitting right now, is Jacques Plant. Like one, one name and it's a historic name. That's it. This guy's unprecedented. And anyone who's followed him since his draft, when he was one of those mid-round picks, just like Kaprizov, who you had a little hot take on your ballot, I'd have Kaprizov right there hovering around my third spot. Look at the gap between him and the rest of the Minnesota Wild in points. Like that's maybe a different topic, but... Kaprizov to me is, and look at all these Russian names we're throwing around. There's some some sick players in the league, but with Shosturkin, you just knew if you looked at his KHL numbers over the year that he was going to step right in and do it at the NHL level. And they even they gave him like, okay, you can't just come in and take Henrik Lundqvist's job just like that. Go down to the minors, play a couple of games. What does he do? He wins 19 out of 23 games, I think. And then he comes up and he's just been the same. He's unbelievable. And he plays the puck so well. Talking about the Ottawa Senators, they almost got scored on by him last year. He missed an empty net oh, yeah. by that far. Yeah. So that guy can do it all. He is an absolute stud. And what I like about it too is he's not your typical modern age goalie where he's not six foot six in the net taking up so much room. He's an undersized guy, or at least he plays that way. Him and Sorokin, they both play low in their stance, but he's explosive. 
you saw there was that game. What was it around Thanksgiving where the Rangers and the Leafs played and the Leafs had like 30 chances on, uh, on like the first half oh, of the yeah. game. He had like a 43 save he was, performance. He and... was ridiculous. It went to overtime, made a save on Matthews, dropped my jaw to the floor. He That's is uh, like 12 shot attempts in that game. It was Matthews yeah. first game of the season, actually. There you go. Early on. Yeah. He was unbelievable. Um, he's, he's done that all year. And what I find to be like insane is if you look at, and this is why he doesn't get nearly enough credit as he should, because when you look at the expected numbers for the, uh, the New York Rangers, they are the seventh worst when it comes to expected goals against they're giving up the seventh most expected goals against at 112.84. Meanwhile, this is a team that is eighth, in actual ex- or uh, sorry, no, that is incorrect. They are. Where did that come from? Where did I find that goal? Hold on. I don't know. <laughs> Where's that stat now? I just had the stat. Oh yeah, they are. Yeah, eighth in actual goals against. So they're giving up the seventh most scoring chances, and the expected goals is supposed to be seventh the most. Yet he's allowing the seventh eighth least amount of goals against his goal saved above average is by far uh, higher than anybody else in the league. He's got 34 goals saved above average next best Freddie Anderson at 22. Yeah. Six regulation losses. Like what more can you say? Six regulation losses in 34 games. I mean, he's unbelievable. It's gross. 941 save percentage a 195 goals against uh he's got five no what's he got three shutouts on the year um it's he's just go and take a look at at the goaltending categories the among the league leaders of every single category you'll find igor shesterkin his worst month mikey his worst month and we're now uh almost five months into the season his worst month he had two regulation losses and the fewest games he's played in a month is uh is six that's crazy. Yeah, he, he's just he's just an animal, and he's one of the big reasons why um, my degeneracy brought me to the Rangers to win the cup at plus twenty two hundred at BetOnline.net. So that's kind of my my dark horse in a sense. I mean, it's going to be tough for them. That Eastern Conference is going to be a grind, but I just think they have the pieces and the flexibility that if they go out and get a Tomash Hurdle or a Claude Giroux or a real impact forward to move everything down one notch, I think they're probably just missing one forward here and. If, if Kako comes back from injury, I know he hasn't lived up to the, the second overall billing, but he's a guy who's been out for the last while, and I think he's going to add something when he gets back. Lafreniere looks like he's starting to score some goals now too. So they they have a lot of ways to beat you, and we haven't even mentioned the two superstars in Panarin and Zibanejad that lead that offense. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to point out, though, Kel McCarr, at Bet Online, he you can get them at plus 5,000. That is that is worth a wait. I, w- I wish you could bet like they do in in uh, in horse racing or in golf, where it's like bet someone to be on the ballot, you know? Because I don't yep, know if he'll win, but like I think he'll end up on the ballot as one of the three yeah. best. Because even if you take a look at like point shares in the NHL, he leads all NHLers with a nine point eight point share. Kel McCarr, he's tied with yeah. UC Soros, actually. Yeah, he's ridiculous, and and you watch him in the eye test matches. Uh, the gaudy numbers like the way that guy handles the puck on the blue line and spins around guys and shimmy shakes them he is he's gross he's he's an unbelievable player yeah absolutely so that uh 
yeah, there's some some interesting conversations to be had. The year clearly not over, but right now there's some. I, I think I'm with you when I say Igor Shosturkin, probably the front runner. You could get that at plus seven hundred. That's fifth or sixth best odds right now. It's yep. a good bet. It's a good bet if you're uh, among the degenerative gamblers society, such as Ross and I. It's a yep. worthy gamble. It was a worthy gamble for sure. <laughs> um, all right, really quickly, Ross, before we go, like we like to do here each and every Tuesday, um, every Wednesday, the Locked On NHL uh, Twitter page, they send out the uh, power rankings for the entire NHL. We vote on them and they come out. And what we like to do here every Tuesday is we like to kind of pinpoint and predict who we think a team that may rise in the power rankings and a team that may fall in the power rankings. Um, why don't you give me your your team who you think will rise and fall uh, this week? Now, I'm still a rookie here, Mikey. Are we just focusing on the Eastern Conference teams or are we doing this as a whole league? We can do this as a as a whole. I think okay, because I'm I'm eyeing two Western Conference teams right now, but I will say with five straight wins, the Coyotes should reclaim last spot. I think it's unfair to keep the Montreal Canadiens in last in the league when you've won oh, yeah. five they're straight. Rise, baby, they'll rise yeah. right up to thirty first. Let's go. Exactly. You know what? You can put the Flyers all the way down at the bottom of the league, as far as I'm concerned. What they almost had three separate ten game win losing streaks this year. That's so gross. That's brutal, but. I'll start with my riser, Mikey. It's the LA Kings, man. A team that I find myself when I turn on the Game Center app, I find myself checking in if the LA Kings are playing because I really enjoy the style they're playing. They've got contributions from, how about a rejuvenated Drew Doughty? Like the league's in a better place when Drew Doughty shakes Jimmy around and he had a two goal performance recently and he just got honored, got the old silver stick there for his thousandth game. So He's unbelievable. Kopitar, those guys stuck it out through a rebuild. And I have a lot of respect for guys who, who do that. And they say, I want to be a part of the solution on the other side of it. LA's drafted, developed really well. And even the guys who haven't really panned out, like Byfield, I think is still looking for his first goal, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's only got one point through 10 or 11 games. Uh, you've got Alex Turcotte, who hasn't really made that level, but they've drafted so well in terms of depth. And they've had guys step up like Adrian Kempe, who is an all-star this year. And then, of course, you know, it always comes down to goaltending. Mikey and the LA Kings are, are getting great goaltending as well. So this is a team that I found myself looking at right now. They're sitting just on the right column in 17th place. I think that could be as high as 14 uh, when this week's come out. They had a 3-0 week, and I think it even extends beyond that that they've been playing really good hockey. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a really good point. I could definitely see the Kings. They're a team that also I, I just – I figured there was a team that was a team that got off to a good start, and I thought they were going to fade away. I mean, we're basically at the trade deadline, and they look like they're going to be buyers, not sellers. So um, we'll see what ends up happening. If they're, unlike the East, the West, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot going on there. There's four or five teams really yeah, battling for a couple of playoff spots there, and that that brings me to to my team. When I look at a faller, one of the teams that surprisingly, like if you haven't been paying attention to what's going on. In the NHL, one of the teams that have fallen a little bit here are the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, yeah. like That's a team I had circled there, too. They, yeah. You know, you bring in Jack Eichel for an extra breath of fresh air, and instead it hasn't gone that way. Not well, that he's so, the reason, but. No, well, I mean, maybe he was the reason why Buffalo is so bad. Yeah, for right. so long. Speaking uh, of degenerates, just a quick aside, I bet on Buffalo yesterday. What an absolute 
pigeon move by me. They got out, they got outshot. I think it was 11 nothing midway through the first period. I was like, all right, this is going to go well. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely a bad move on you there. But um, Vegas, to your point, they lost to Arizona this week. Yeah, dude, they have, they lost to Arizona this week. They lost to LA last week. You know, they're under 500 in their last 10 games. They've lost a couple in a row here. I think Vegas, uh, they'll they'll probably turn around. I mean, Robin Leonard's been hurt, so they've been rolling with, like, Larry Bersois and, and mm-hmm. Nett. So they, they've had to. If only they had a backup option, yeah. eh? Hmm. only they did. If only hmm. they did. Um, but, you know, I, I think they'll put it together. Don't get me wrong. But at this point, when we're doing these lists, I'm going to be knocking them down a couple of pegs. I, I think that's probably – appropriate of me to say um yeah they're missing mark stone too he's only played the the one game since the all-star break and he's out long term although he kind of helped in the sense that they would have needed to find another outlet to get jack eichel off long-term injured reserve to make the cap work but because mark stone's making nine million dollars they were able to just do that uh quick flip with uh with eichel yeah, and they're sitting here now at twelfth, so they're twelfth in the NHL. Uh, the Pacific's just not not that great now. My our riser, right? It kind of goes hand in hand because LA is now past Vegas now that they've won five straight. So now now Vegas is in a situation where you start looking beneath them. Yeah, and can the Edmonton Oilers catch them? I mean, that's that's what we're talking about here. If Edmonton. Vegas is going to fall out of the top three in the Pacific because Anaheim. Anaheim was a cute story, but like you probably thought with LA that they were going to fade off. Well, that's what Anaheim's doing. They've only got two wins in their last eight games. I don't know why you ask. Can they get surpassed by Edmonton? Dude, they're separated by one point. They both have, there's no games in hand. Right. But I think if, if a fan's looking at it from a a season wide perspective, you'd probably be like, oh no, Vegas will figure it out. But I don't know if they will. I think it really does depend on the goaltending situation. If they don't Mm -hmm. get, you know, if Robin Leonard doesn't get back and stay healthy, then obviously. And and that's a big reason why Edmonton, too, has fallen. At one point, they were up at the top of the Pacific Division. But if, go figure, the team that has the most stable goaltending of the teams that we've discussed and the team that's rising up my rankings is the Calgary Flames. And go figure that they're up at the top of the division here with Jacob Marchand providing that stable goaltending. This is a team that that is just – they've been incredible. They won 10 games in a row. They finally did lose to uh, to the Canucks the other night, and that was a bit of a, a, a you know butt-kicking. But regardless, outside of that, this is probably the hottest team in hockey right now. That line is just unbelievable between Kachuk, um, uh, Johnny Kudrow, and, and Elias Lindholm. Possibly the hottest team. He'd be the hottest line in hockey. They've got really solid – depth especially with the addition of Tyler Toffoli goaltending's top notch they're my biggest riser I could see them really moving up and moving up here they're they're in sixth right now I see them cracking into the top five I think they probably leapfrog Toronto as the best team in Canada so I wouldn't be shocked to see the the Flames crack the top five and have the Leafs move out of it um when all said and done once these get released on Wednesday would that be your only change in the top let's say let's say 10 um, would that be my top big? I would probably put, I mean, I would f- drop the Panthers a couple since they've lost three in a row here. The Hurricanes, they've won five in a row. I'd probably put them. And they beat the Panthers, so that's I an easy top jump. Five, they did. I think my top five, Colorado, Carolina, Tampa, Florida. No, what? No. 
Tampa, Calgary, Florida. I think that's the top five. I got to go and I got to actually do this. Uh, yeah, I've got my page open right now. You know what I might do? I might just flip the Kings and Knights. I might move the Kings all the way up to 12. I, I really like what I've seen from them now. Yeah, you can say they played two games against Arizona recently, and fair enough. But uh, quickly, I mentioned them. Buffalo Sabres, my faller. Jesus, I can't believe I, I bet on them, let alone anything else. They've really taken over as as the worst team in the National Hockey League. Like They had that little cute start where they won five of their first yeah. seven games. Are you surprised? Are you at no, all not, a, not at all. Dumpster but... fire. Look at this roster. It's garbage. Yeah. Hot garbage. Like They've got a couple nice pieces. Like Tage Thompson's having a good year. Jeff Skinner quietly put up like a point per game since the new year. Yeah. Um, Alex Tuck has been a nice addition, but like they're the Darlene same. Dolene too. Darlene caught my eye when I watched that game against Dallas yesterday. But yeah, just as a team, they've no Who's depth at all. Puck? Who's stopping the puck over there? Nobody. Not a single soul. You got Craig Anderson back there. Hey, he actually looked good against he Dallas good. too. He actually looked good. And he, uh, yeah, he faded away. But that team is just a, a gong show from top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah. So. Those, uh, I guess that's our risers and fallers. Was there anyone else who I wrote down here? Nope. I think I, I, I hit on all the teams there. Uh, all right. I think that'll do it for today, Ross. Lots of fun. Uh, yeah. Can't wait to do it again next Tuesday. But that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On NHL podcast wherever you get your podcast. New episodes coming at you every day from Monday through Friday. Hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Hit up Ross at Ross Levitan. And uh, we'll be back to chat more Eastern Conference on next Tuesday. But there'll be another episode coming out tomorrow. It'll be the Western Conference show. But until then, keep it locked right here on the Locked On NHL podcast.